Hey, welcome everybody to How to Be a Texan. How are you guys doing? It's a new decade. Happy new decade. Yeah. Happy 2020. It's the roaring 20s. And we got our it little is. buddy back. Yeah. And <laughs> little buddy. <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> well, no, we did three or four, and you weren't with us, and it was terrible. I don't know. One of them, we talked for about five minutes about how much we missed Andrew at the very beginning. <laughs> you remember that? Yeah, it was awful. Well, we got him back now, and he's he's just a good young man. Just blessed <laughs> to have Andrew with us. And hey, happy 2020, Kevin. Yeah, happy 2020. How does it feel to be a Texan in 2020? It's crazy. Yeah? It's the roaring 20s already. It's the roaring 20s, baby. I can't baby. say roaring. 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 That's yeah. hard for me to say. No, do you think we're going to have another roaring 20s again? I think again? so. Yeah, I do. We're going to go back to flapping. And yeah, we do. Yeah, it's already a thing. And uh, what was the, the you can't have alcohol anywhere? Prohibition. Prohibition. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. And the Great Depression. It's something to look forward to. Yeah, and let's not do that again. And the dust. Uh, <laughs> it's something to look forward to. The Dust Bowl. Dust Bowl. Yeah, I'd be okay with that. Starvation and migration of Morkers West. No, I'd more like the, you know, the fun parts of the Roaring Twenties. Yeah, versus, you remember the end scene of The Grapes of Wrath? I won't, spoiler alert, if you haven't read The Grapes of Wrath. I've read it. John Steinbeck is my favorite author of all time. Yeah, well, I think he's one of mine too, except he's so stinking dark. But The Grapes of Wrath ended with this starving man sucking on the teat of a of a woman who just had a stillborn birth. I thought you said not a spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> that was the darkest ending. That is a very dark ending you could ever imagine. So that's how you picture this next. So that's decade. the roaring twenties. That's going to is... be the end of this next decade <laughs> <laughs> of you sucking on the teeth of a poor. Yeah, well, I'm just thinking. <laughs> okay, fine. Let's hope that the roaring twenties of 2020 are better than the roaring twenties of 1920s. Yeah. Right. Okay. Good. I good. have a question for y'all. So, what was the name of that dance though? They used to do that. That. Funny dance, you know, swing where they, dancing. No, they kind of the go Charleston. Up. The Charleston. That was a funny dance. That was a good one back yeah. in the nineteen. Kendra's, Kendra's doing the Charleston right now. It's incredible. Now, it's coming back. Where's Sammy at? For a She's lot of a, was about all these for dances. a lot of New Year's parties this year, a lot of people did like nineteen twenties themed oh. parties. Is so my question for y'all is: Do y'all think in the nineteen twenties, whenever? Like they had their New Year's parties and like going into 1920. Do you think that they dressed up like the 1820s? Probably. Just like in dirty old rags. And <laughs> yeah. That's how I imagine everybody in the 1800s yeah. dresses. Yeah. Just dirty rags and like they all work on railroads they in all, the 1800s. Or like, would you just dress up like you had like the Black Death, you know? Because yeah. that was the 1820s. Yeah. You know, like the Black Plague. Yeah, that. Is that that happened in the 1820s? I have no idea. Oh, okay. It was back in the death. day. Yeah. Back in the day, Black Death. Black Plague, yeah. Yeah, it was terrible. Yeah. Let's not do that again. As opposed to the White Plague. I don't know. I'm do I'm going to do a I'm going to do an 1820s party. 1820s. 1820s. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just going to be just well, you, a plague. Well, you'd have to dress up as a an Apache or a Kiowa if you're it's Texas. 1820s okay. or a Spaniard. Santiana. You would have that Santiana's granddaddy. 1820s is like when cocktails were really like legit. Cocktails? Yeah, before ice. Like they didn't really have ice a lot. And so go back and look and at some of those just, recipes. Yeah. Maybe I'll drink some lukewarm cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> Everything was just served neat. Uh, I was thinking when you say cocktail back in 1820, it was just like a, a rooster, you know. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. Whatever. So is was oil discovered in Texas in the 1920s? 
No. Oh. No, not okay. at all. I don't know what we're talking about. I have no idea where we're going with this, but it doesn't have anything to do with the topic. Oh, I thought we could tie it in somehow. There's no tie. <laughs> There's no tie at all. So, uh, so, but speaking of sperm oil, sperm whale. We stop saying that. So it's the oil. Nobody from said the anything fat. about that. <laughs> Nobody said anything about that. So sper- not on the episode. At least. So, so sperm whales, they we would kill them, right? We would harpoon and kill them, and then we would harvest, harvest their sperm. No, well, you could, I suppose. <laughs> That'd be odd. And, well, and the whole them. thing's odd. Well, anyway, the sperm whales. You, they were. Why ma- are they even called that? Well, I don't know. I don't know. Who came up with that name? Jesus. I don't know. No, Jesus did not. (laughs) I don't know the answer to that. But regardless, sperm whale were huge and plentiful back in the day. In the the 1850s, there... That was 1850s and before in Texas, that was the prevalent way that we lit our whatever houses. From whale blubber, basically. Whale blubber converted into whatever. Hmm. Some land. I did not know that. And then in 1852, there was a there was a discovery. Somebody and before that, remember we used to have the medicine men, and they'd go around. These shysters would go around and sell on the frontier. You know this kind of snake oil. Remember we talked mm-hmm. about that before. Yeah, and that was a petroleum based product where it was liniment that they would rub on their whatever you know skin mm-hmm. for for healing. And that was really all we knew. So you didn't need if you had a a petroleum gusher, black oil coming up like Ed Clamp or Jed Clampett, you know. Mm-hmm. Then listen to my story about a man. See, I <laughs> love the Clampets. And then one day he was shooting at some food and up through the ground. Come a bubbling crude oil that oil, is. That is black gold. Texas tea. Texas tea. That's right. I love how he's shooting at some food and then oil just springs up out of the ground. That's right. That's right. I like how that he references Texas tea. I know, exactly. But regardless. That's the amount of research I did for this episode. Thank you. (laughs) You're on your own. That's terribly valuable. So anyway, (laughs) hey, today's episode, just to to reset, today's episode, we're going to talk about the oil boom in Texas and its impact on us even today. Is mm-hmm. that okay with you? Oh, yeah. Sounds and, like a great topic. And I just thought it was kind of a fun aside going back to the sperm whale, just because it's fun. Just because you like saying that word. Sperm. Because it makes everybody else uncomfortable. <laughs> just like, <laughs> go back and listen to the motel episode, because I said the word pubic hair probably 28 times. Yeah. And yeah. that that was the biggest surprise shock I got out of Kevin ever, which was awesome. <laughs> No, <laughs> the smoke cigarettes have chicken fried steak and drink beer. That's, that's a big shocker too. Yeah, that was pretty shocking. I think so. Smoke but some t- cigarettes, have some chicken fried steak, and then drink some beer. And you can hear me in the background saying, "Smoke some cigarettes." <laughs> yeah, I've smoked one in my life with some fraternity brothers. But regardless, uh, so the oil boom and its impact on Texas. So regardless, 1850s and on, uh, there was a discovery of taking petroleum that. Literally, Jed Clampett found out of the ground, mm-hmm. and there was a science experiment done, and we figured out how to convert that into kerosene, and then that became wildly popular because it was so much cheaper to be able to illuminate our houses with kerosene versus uh, this blubber, because mm-hmm. that was getting terribly expensive, as you can only guess. Mm-hmm. And then, it, then, then there was am- amazing revelations and scientific experiments that came on after that, and that's how we found all these alternative uses for petroleum. 
So then uh, the the secondary kind of big oil boom came up in Pennsylvania in the 50s, 60s, and 70s of the 1800s. And finally, in 1901, that's when Spindle Top blew. There were a couple of different – Spindle Top is down around Beaumont, which is in southeast Texas. And so when you think of southeast Texas, what do you think of? You generally think of kind of oilish types, mm-hmm. oh, petroleum yeah. products. Yeah, that's what they do. Yeah, because there's so many stinking refineries, mm-hmm. and Houston's really known for oil. It's kind of the oil capital of North America, and and it's it's huge. And so Spindle Top was found in 1901, January 10th of 1901, and uh, and then it just you know that was it. it. And the interesting thing was the first funders of it, they originally basically petered out, and they're like that we're never going to hit anything because. Um, we would get about 30 or 40 feet down underground and we'd hit rock. Mm-hmm. And then nobody could figure out, I was like, oh crap, I guess we just need to quit. Well, anyway, these people would just kind of keep moving around and they'd find a way through. Uh, there was an initial uh, theory that there was a salt cap. Remember we talked mm-hmm. about the salt mines out in East Texas mm-hmm. as well with Morton Salt? Well, that's there too. But then there's petroleum up under the salt dome. How crazy is that? And all of, all petroleum is, and I'm just watching. I'm, I'm watching this five part series on the history of oil in North America, which is actually terribly geeky but terribly interesting for me. And all petroleum is. Do you know what petroleum is? I know it comes from fossils somehow. Yeah, pretty but, much. But I don't know. It's basically, yeah, it's so car, it, it's carbon carbon material, yeah. like organic material that's just you know died, and then it's. It's basically formed into a different product, and it's so goo, goo, or instead of rock, it's formed into kind of this gooey whatever petroleum-based product. Now there's a different couple of different forms. There's the natural gas product, and then there's there's obviously the petroleum-based product. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I'll I'll tell you this right now, and I'll apologize to our listeners, all three of you, because we lost one over Christmas. I'm sure because you were terrible. Um, we had four, now we're down to three, I think. <laughs> so regardless, I think so. anyway, thank you, three of you, that you're listening. I'll just, I apologize because I'm not an oil guy, right? Are you an oil baron? Not, no, not really. Okay. Not really. Yeah, I'm not at all. My granddad was in the oil industry, but oh. he didn't drill. He did, um, he owned a manufacturing company and they made uh, aftermarket parts for oil. Oh, drilling rigs. That's cool. Yeah, they had kind of the cornered the market on that because you know this is back in the eighties. You had to go to you know like if your brakes broke down on your rig, on the drilling rig itself, mm-hmm. you had to go back to the original manufacturer and super expensive. So he cre- created a aftermarket manufacturing facility to make brake rims and bands and all kinds of stuff. And oh wow. Yeah, he did really, really well with that. Huh, good for him. Yeah, but that's about all I know is kind of that side of it. And my, right. Of course, my dad, you know, his dad worked in oil fields. Right. You know, I know 100 people that have worked in oil fields. I don't know what they do out there, but, you know, managing the rigs and drilling and all that kind of stuff. Right. 
right. which is a very, very hard job. It's a hard job. But yeah. we got a lot of Texans that have done that mm-hmm. and then are doing that right yeah. now. Yeah. You remember our Dallas versus Houston episode mm-hmm. where my buddy Mike was describing the perception of Houston is, you know, a guy with his name on his shirt, you know, working out in the oil field is that's the perception of Houston. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's necessarily true, but we got a bunch of Texans that are still working out in the oil fields. And I usually associate that with West Texas more than Southeast. Well, well but I don't of, know why. Yeah, but think about it. But Spindle Top started Spindle Top started it all. It started it. And yeah. that's in Beaumont. And so now you think in outside of Beaumont. Mm-hmm. But you think and there's all that oil. And when you look at a map of Texas, I wish you guys could see this because I'm I've looked at this map of all the oil reserves under Texas. And it's massive. It's almost like the whole state is just peppered with all these reserves that are under the ground mm-hmm. now various levels of how far deep they are but we're the absolute biggest producer of natural gas in the world mm-hmm. and so my neighbor kathy she's in the oil business you know kathy and patrick oh okay oh and they just had a cow i was over there watching they just had the yeah. baby cow it's really cool <laughs> well i was waiting i was late because i was waiting for the little baby to get up but it wouldn't get up so it's just <laughs> That's a quick mini ranch update. But Kathy just had a baby cow, and I so mean, we she, should have had her on to talk about. We should have because yeah. it, it would be far more entertaining and inter- interesting because she actually knows what she's talking about. Yeah, because she actually works for all this and sends people out to drill and whatnot. I do know there's a lot of science involved, and they hire a lot of geologists to well, understand they, all the rocks and what's that, going on underground. That's and right. Where to go drill, and you know, well, back in the day, like you were talking about, they just kind of had to randomly go and. Poke holes in the ground, try to, and now it's very scientific. They know where everything's at, and what they can get through, and what they can. So I think Kathy's third generation in the wheel business. Yeah, and her grandfather had an article that she found. I think when he passed, and she was just telling me about this. That the article that he said is here's the best prospecting for us is that you drill five sites, five drill sites, and you're going to get oil in one of those. Mm. So just keep drilling. Oh, I see. That was the science. Right, right, you've got right. A one in, you're going to hit one in five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so just, just keep, on, keep yeah. poking the earth and you're going to eventually yeah. hit. Yeah. That's the science. I think, I think there's still some of that that has to go on too, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, Well, I don't know. Because of all the computerization and all the sonar that we mm-hmm. have now, and then with the, whatchamacallit, the sideways, the angle drilling. Horizontal where, drilling. Yeah, yeah, all that. I think... Uh, there's a, there's amazing technology now, 119 years after the initial giant Texas find, mm-hmm. that and now it'll continue to get better and better. Yeah. Now we'll be far more specific. And there's a lot of recoverable oil and then a lot of non-recoverable. What does that like, mean? Well, like, like the non-recoverable is like it's built, all these oil pockets are built, the petroleum pockets are built into existing rock that you just can't. Can't get through it today. It's not worth it to get to. Yeah. You know? And and I guess as oil becomes more and more precious over time, maybe it's worth going back to those Mm -hmm. really finite, tiny little pockets. But right now they're looking for the big pockets they can go and suck, you know, hundreds of millions of barrels of oil out. It's just crazy to me to think about how much is under the ground here. Yeah. It's just mind-blowing yeah so then that gets into this whole you know how old is it you know and i don't know i don't ever get into that with people because it's like oh it's hundreds of millions of years old or it's four thousand years i'm like okay i don't get into that with well you mean like how the earth is yeah yeah (laughs) yeah because i think we got pretty 
strong evidence that it's... I know, but if you talk to different theologians, they get into you about, well, it's only 5,002 years old. Mm, I'm like, well, it looks like it's 100 million years yeah, old. That's, that's Maybe God few, has a few, different time few billion. Line. Yeah, we think we know God's on his own timeline. <laughs> yeah, I think versus ours. A few billion. Regardless, yeah. anyway, I won't get into that. But, well, we do um, know that uh, Texas used to be under an ocean. We've talked about that a couple of times. Oh, yeah. Back in the prehistoric times. And I yeah. think... I. I mean, is that why there's so much oil here? I, I don't know. You know. I don't know. Yes. You're supposed to be the <laughs> subject matter expert I on this show. I told you, I'm an idiot on this stuff. All I know is the oil boom is huge, and it's created who we are as Texans. It's a huge part of Texas. Yeah. So nine, January 10th, 1901 is a kind of a singular date in Texas history, because that's when Spindletop was hit. Before then, we were an agricultural environment. Mm-hmm. I mean, first of all, think about 1901. All the crap we've talked about so far with the frontier and all the Texas Rangers and the Comanches and the Apaches, and all, all that was settling out. The uh, Civil War had settled 35 years before. Um, all the carpetbaggers are going away. So Texas is kind of finding itself in, in 1901. And then... We find a whole, we kick it into a whole new gear then with oil because mm. we'd been, think about it, I mean, we'd been all about the cow, mm-hmm. you know, with ranching. We'd have been all about cotton and um, all of our agricultural folks of growing whatever and then the homemade crops. And then all of a sudden you have this oil boom. And remember, that was one of the things that our Texas Rangers couldn't, they had a really hard time of handling because we had, this mass inundation of people after 1901 that we had all these Texas Rangers out there and they were basically covering the frontier and then they transitioned into kind of police and detective work. And then you have these hundred, I mean, I don't know, tens of, let's call it tens of thousands of interlopers that are coming from the Northeast and wherever, because they're like, Holy crap, we got all this oil sitting under Texas. Let's go get it. Mm -hmm. So there were people coming down here to, start businesses to drill it. Oh, yeah. And then there, I'm sure there were just lots of people coming down here just for jobs, for to work job. in the oil fields, right. right? Or to make their own, you know, as Jed Clampett made it, Texas tea, you mm-hmm. know? I mean, there were lots and lots and lots of millionaires all of a sudden because we're able to export that out and then we're finding use for the car once Henry Ford and whatnot found the Model T and all that. Mm-hmm. Then you've got, you know, airplanes, cars, all this, you know, this need for petroleum-based products, and then it was the sky was a limit because it all, for the most, I mean, there were plenty of other pockets of oil and petroleum products from around the country, but Texas was by far the richest oil reserve. That's crazy. Isn't that crazy? <coughs> so then the interesting thing was, and we've talked about this before, and I'm not going to put you to sleep with the Texas budget, but there's this fund called the PUF Fund, the P-U-F Fund, and hold on. And it's called the Permanent University Fund. And it was created by back in um, 1876. And all of this was dedicated so that UT and Texas A&M would have sustainable income for their endowments of their mm-hmm. professors and whatnot. So a lot of these, uh, these lands were all donated into the PUF, the Permanent University Fund, and then the reserves that are kicked out of that were um, immense. Let's put it that way. Before it had just been, they'd been leasing that land for uh, steers and mm-hmm. cattle and whatnot and cotton farming, whatever. 
And then once they got all that, these are millions of acres that were dedicated to UT and A&M. And then now all of a sudden they had all the minerals underneath it and they were getting that out. Now, if you look at it right now, the assets that we have under management for the PUF, it's, uh, let me see, in 1990, it was like $8 billion. But I think it's way more than that. I can't find it. But it, it kicks off three, four, five hundred million million of income every year. Can you imagine that? Hmm. Just $400 million of income every year. So why don't we have free college here in Texas? We should have free college in Texas. <laughs> totally What's going on? Should. What the crap? Oh, <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah. So, I mean, it's a huge part of, of what we do as Texans. And I just thought it was kind of interesting to talk about, about Spindletop. And the funny thing was, if you look at kind of YouTube, spindle, of course, they didn't have cameras back in 1901. But the descriptions by the workers back in the day, you know, they got below that 30 uh, feet and they got down to about 56 to 60 feet. And that's where they hit it. And there was this massive oil reserve underneath it. And it sounded like a locomotive coming when they hit it. And all of a sudden they hear it and they're all these workers, are, you know, they're just standing there just drilling away trying to get, and somehow they, they hit a soft spot and they got through that rock at 30 feet and they got all the way down to 56 to 60 feet, which is really not that far. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's right there. And sure enough, it just sounded like a locomotive. And it took them, I think, five days to cap it, um, to, just to cap. And it was about, I don't know, I'm, I'm holding my hands about a foot apart. And it was about a foot wide, you know, shot of uh, a petroleum coming out of the ground. Really? And it took them that long to cap it. So wow. they had to put all the technology of the day back into place to cap it and then somehow funnel it into production. Now, when did they start doing the offshore drilling stuff? Uh, I don't know. You don't know? I don't know. <laughs> I should know that. <laughs> but again, if I was an oil guy, I would know. Hey, did I ever tell you that story about um, how me and my buddy Mark would go deep sea I'm going to tell you a couple of stories. <laughs> There's only, this only one story. But it's eight years. Me and my buddy Mark, we went deep sea fishing with this group of like 15 to 20 guys off of Port Aransas. You know where Port Aransas is? Mm -hmm. So it's a beautiful spot down on the Texas coast. And so we'd go down and we all meet up at Port A. And uh, then we'd get with this outfit and they'd take us 15 to 20 guys and we'd go out for 24 hours. And we'd go 80 miles down to the Gulf of Mexico, and we'd fish, and we'd catch over a ton of fish. Now, the interesting part that relates back is at night, the captain would say, you guys want to shark hunt? And we're like, uh, yeah, that sounds fun. So we would go tie up to these big oil rigs. And so we would tie up to one of the – these legs are massive. Mm -hmm. And so these out of the four legs that go down to the sea bottom – out of each of those, those legs creates an ecosystem around it. So you've got the actual metal leg, and then you've got whatever stuff that's grown around it, and you get the feeder fish around it, the bigger predators, and then even the biggest predators, which are the shark, and we would hunt for the sharks at night, hmm. deep, deep night. That was the creepiest thing ever because you hear these. They go, bing, these real loud, creepy pings that yeah. they make off at the middle of the night. And then what do you do with them? Well, we'd eat them. We'd catch the shark and we'd eat them. How big were they? Giant. Massive. <laughs> Full of crap. Big as this house. <laughs> <laughs> they were massive. No, I mean, two, three hundred pounds, two, three, four hundred pounds. I mean, the biggest one we ever caught was a, it was a hammerhead, but we caught him a day. Yeah. And he was about 12, 13. So y'all caught him, you brought him in. The captain shot him in the face, you know, with a nine millimeter because wow. it was so aggressive. They'd get up on the boat, you'd double gaff and bring it up and they'd flail around. You know what a shark skin Dang. feels like? 
like sandpaper. It's like sandpaper. Yeah. It'll, take, it'll just immediately take your skin right off. Yeah, I felt a couple of those before. You remember feeling those, Andrew? Yeah. We went to an aquarium on vacation one year. Oh, really? And they had these little tiny little sharks that you could, you know, the kids could stick their hand in there and oh, yeah. rub them. And it did feel, felt just like sandpaper. Oh, it's sandpaper. Yeah. So if you caught it. And so we had plenty of us that would be there. And we'd help them get the shark into the boat. And they'd be flailing around. And all of a sudden, you've got all these guys with massive strawberries all down their legs. Wow. Anyway. Wow. Isn't that weird? So back to the oil thing. I was just, uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I'm I'm sorry. The Texas Rainy Day Fund now it's called it's really a, a twelve billion dollar balance, and that's all basically oil and Texas uh, natural gas. I, I apologize. It's called the Texas Rainy Day, and we talked about that on our infrastructure episode. This I didn't realize this. Houston really pioneered the entire American car culture. Is what this says here. Really. Yeah, in the early 1900s, because they had such inexpensive gasoline down there. Oh. Because of the oil and the refineries. When when did the Model T get invented? Uh, I'll, I'll find out in a second. But this says, by the 1920s, traffic congestion had become so serious in Houston that they became the first city in the nation to install uh, interconnected traffic lights. Oh, wow. And, you know... It said visitors would come to the city. They were astonished at the lack of pedestrian access to shopping venues and stuff like that. Uh, because if you think about it, at the time, they still had roads that were built for, you know, think about how the, what roads were originally built for. I've read some books on this, right? For, mm-hmm. for walking. Like if you oh, yeah. think about all those old West movies, right? You got people walking out in the middle of the road and then yeah. basically you'd step up on a porch and walk into a building. Right. So there was this period kind of in the early 1900s where suddenly these roads were flooded with cars, right? And you didn't have anywhere for pedestrians to walk anymore, you know? That's so it was right. just kind of chaos. Wow. Yeah. So Is they that, had to, it affected everything if you think about it. Is that when they all just got on their phone and became obese? Yeah, pretty much. That's how it played out. <laughs> now, <laughs> now they went to the moon first. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But think about Houston, man. So they pioneered the car culture, right? right? And then within <coughs> 69 years later, or really 68 years later, they shot a man to the moon from Houston. It's oh, not very wow. long. Houston, man. Houston's awesome. You know, they discovered the fuel and then I'm telling you, Houston leads the world. <laughs> Good dog cussing Houston. Houston I'm, I'm, rocks. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, they're coming all, around. They're awesome, but why are they so nasty? <laughs> yeah, down why are they there? so nasty down there? That's all <laughs> they're not. Hey, the Texans won, so there yeah. you go. Hey, a um, couple of fun facts. Did you know that we have about 352,000 jobs in Texas that are just oil and gas industry-based? Is that, that all? I thought there'd be more. It feels like it would be larger than that to yeah. me. What do you think is the typical depth for a for a uh, what you call it a drill site now? Mm. So in I'll, I'll, let me give you some fun facts and then you tell me what we're at now. In 1949, so spindle top was 56, 60 feet, so it was like right there. Now in 1949, the average depth of a well site was 36, 35, 3,635 feet. Really? What do you think it is now? With fracking, fracking is that is that fracking's hor- horizontal is that diagonal whatever horizontal crazy stuff that we can do now. 
What do you think the average drilling is now? I don't know. 5,000 now? Keep going. I'm going to guess 10,000? No, I'm six. 6,000. 6, oh, I was going to guess seven. You're, you're close. How deep is the center of the earth? It's, it's 6,500 feet. <laughs> so we're right there. I have no idea. We're sucking out magma. We're, we're, just, we're just sucking it straight out of China. How China? Yeah, we're stealing China. the oil from China now. Google that. How, how thick is the Earth's crust? It, I have no idea, Andrew. Google knows, but I don't know. Well, I that's just, why he was suggesting that you Google Is it. that Alexa still over there? Hey, Alexa, tell us how, how far to China through the no, Earth. I don't think so. I don't know. She doesn't know. So Earth's crust is six thousand three hundred seventy-one kilometers. Kilometers, which is three thousand nine hundred fifty-eight miles. Uh, so it's pretty big. That's yeah. freaking yeah. big. We've ver- we've barely scratched the surface. Yeah, we can go way deeper until we hit magma. Well, isn't there magma in there somewhere? There is down in the, and then there's a core that's solid iron. Iron mm-hmm. and then magma around that. Mm-hmm. So weird, so weird. And then once you get through all that, then you get to China. <laughs> China. Yeah. So I don't yeah. think we'll be able to drill all the way through and suck out the oil from the China or Middle East anytime soon. No, I don't think that'd be so. a good trick though. That'd be the ultimate frack. That. Probably should have been one of Trump's campaign platform themes. We're going to drill so deep. We're going to suck all the oil out of the Middle East. Oh, my God. The campaign will be called, what the frack? <laughs> I will tell you, though, there, I'm watching this, like I said, I'm watching this five-part series on the history of oil. That's really interesting. There's all these, like a Forbes article. There's this New Yorker article. There's some really interesting stuff on just oil's impact on Texas and Texas' impact on the world. When you look at all the oil reserves and the petroleum reserves under the ground that we have at our disposal, then you have the question of, well, why are we so reliant on Saudi Arabia, Iraq, Iran, Kuwait, whatever, on our petroleum products when we have that in North America, offshore, Alaska, et cetera? I think it's a great question. And then you look to the future about how how petroleum-based are we going to be in the future, and I think that's a great question. How, how is it that... You know, they can produce it so much cheaper over there. I mean, that's why we import it, right? Because it was cheaper. That's right. And it may be, I I don't know, is that one of those human laws things about we can create a factory in Pakistan that's and and have slave labor maybe basically versus here? I mean, I don't think we were doing that. I think they had their own refineries over there and we were importing oil from them. I don't know, but it's like you you just don't pay. Just cheap labor. You just don't pay for labor. Yeah. Yeah, all you're paying for is just the equipment and and pennies on the dollar for Maybe labor. that's what it is, yeah. I mean, that's my only guess, but I don't know that. Yeah. It feels like it's much cheaper, and, and that's such a commodity that is so price-dependent. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had oil booms and oil busts because of the price of oil per barrel. Right. It's gone up and down. It feels like it's just very wild. Uh, and then there's OPEC that has, you know, their control over the ability to – to flow out barrels, millions of barrels per yeah, day. Yeah, so they manipulate the price completely. I, it feels that way. No, they do. They yeah. absolutely do. And that's why I think back even in the days of Reagan and whatnot, it's like we want to build up our North American reserves so that we're not so reliant on OPEC mm-hmm. because we have no control or influence over their price setting. And so we're a prisoner to them. So are we now producing more than we're importing at this point? I don't know the answer to that. It 
feels like we're in a little bit more of an equilibrium, but yeah. I, don't, I don't know that at all. I just know uh, W, that was a big deal during W's deal, and probably mm-hmm. now Trump too, Yeah, is that we want to create enough North American reserves so that we have less reliance if there's an outbreak of, of whatever bad things in the Middle East. Which we're seeing yeah, as just, of this week. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So you just don't know. If yeah. they turn the it's spigot so off. It's so unstable over there. Yeah. But then, even that the 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 common issue of the day may be well trouble in the Middle East, but if we have this conversation twenty years from now, are we still heavily reliant on petroleum products? I don't think so. I don't think so. But I think we're still kind. I mean, I don't know. I just don't know. Are we are we advancing that quickly <coughs> that we're we're to the point where we're not going to be relying on petroleum-based products at all. I just don't know. I think 20 years from now, we will be minimally dependent on it as it relates to automobiles. Yeah. But, I mean, there's lots of other stuff that you just... think so? I mean, have you ever heard of an electric airplane? No. No? I mean, and that burns tons and tons of petroleum-based well, fuel. Yeah, and then you just think of the level of adoption. So the first world countries will adopt battery-powered or whatever, solar-powered whatever, or wind-powered, anything. But will the rest of the planet, the other, at that point, it'll be, will be at 10 to 12 billion people. That's a good point, people. yeah. Okay, the first 2 billion in the first world countries, but the other 8 billion could give a flip. No, you're right. When you said we, I was kind of honed in on the U.S., but yeah. you're right. I mean, the rest of the world. But in those third world countries, do they really drive as much as we do? Does everybody own two or three cars there? I don't no, think so. I don't think so either. People still, you know, walking. and. I just hope in 20 years that people look at each other and smile at each other and create positive endorphins more than they do today because they're all looking at their phones. Oh, that'll happen, yeah. You think so? Yeah. I think it, Yeah, because the phone will be installed in your face at that point. I think it'll so be a brain you, chip. Yeah. <laughs> so you'll literally look at each other, you know. And I'll be analyzing. And I'll through, see a virtual Kyle. I won't even see the real Kyle. I'll see my, a virtual Kyle. My Terminator eyes are yeah. going to be assessing your threat level yeah. at all time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's <laughs> awesome. I look forward to having a brain implant. Yeah, it's going to happen. That's cool. No, it's not going to happen. It might. No. In movies, it does. I know. In movies, it does. I think that's cool. What do you think, Andrew? I don't know. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, well, we got any any interesting ranch updates? Sorry, I was... No, I, I... You know what? I think I have these backwards on the soundboard because this says Green Acres short. Well, that was tremendously long. Yeah, let's. let's it, it wanted. I think this is really the long version. <laughs> See, this is the long version. All right, sorry. No, it's fantastic. Just having fun. It's no, the, it's, it's the roaring 20s. Man. We're having fun here. <laughs> we're having fun here. Ranch updates. Well, you know, our horses have gotten a lot of exercise over the holidays. Oh, really? Yeah. Y'all that, been riding? That's generally when the girls get out there. Well, Sarah hasn't done much, but Good. Sammy's been riding. Yeah. I mean, you notice Doc's dropped a few pounds, so we need He's to skinny. beef him back up a little bit. Yeah, no, he looks good. He's actually had some exercise. Good. So, um... What else? No, we're still just kind of smoothing along outside yeah. of that. 
Yeah, you plant your winter crop in your garden yet? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're yeah. all over that. <laughs> Liar. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but uh, Kendra's already planning for spring. Oh, that's good. So I got to build new beds and all that kind of stuff. Oh, good. Get ready. Yeah, okay. she's already put that on my list. Okay, good. So we'll see. Yeah. No, we've got uh, – I put I put ryegrass out in the arena. I dug it. When Caroline went off to college, I just – Tore the arena down. No. Yeah, and I put Why? ryegrass all out there. It looks nice. It's pretty. Oh, man. Then I'm going to plant some spring kind of grass. I can convert it back to an arena in a second if I ever wanted to. But What would you do with all the sand? It's all, it's all sitting there. Most of it washed down Gibbons, my street. It did not. Most of those 20 loads of sand washed all the way down Gibbons. <laughs> it, did it did too. I'm telling you. It all washed down there. But regardless, it's kind of greenish now, but you see the arena under there kind of. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, the chickens, you know. Amy gave me four chickens for Christmas. That's Really? Nice. I didn't know that. A certificate for four a chickens. A certificate for four chickens. <laughs> <laughs> like a chicken gift card? Yeah, so she went and to gave Rex Jr. Four, uh, $100 for $25 each for six-month-old plus chickens that they'll come to the house, peck each other with the old chickens, and then they should start laying right away. So uh, what didn't... She just get them, or uh, they, he didn't have just any not six convenient. Month old. He didn't oh, have any six month okay, old. okay, yeah. And then I've been using eggs out of the chickens like crazy. I had to buy my first dozen eggs ever. Well, in six years, dude, you should have called us. We got a whole refrigerator through full of eggs. Oh, because I'm on this baking thing. Now. Yeah, we got a billion eggs. Yeah, so I've been baking like crazy. Yeah, I've noticed. Yeah. <laughs> That's so fun. So ever since the pecan, you just episode, don't eat anything. No, ever you bake si- all this stuff and you don't eat it. I just bring it over here to y'all. Yeah. So ever since the pecan <laughs> episode on Thanksgiving, remember when I talked about the pecans, how they, how Mimi put place them on the top, mm-hmm. and I started all my science. It's, to me, it's just a science experiment. It's like how does science work? Well, in cooking, and so I baked all the crap ton of pies, and now I flipped over to cakes, and I made my first. Well, my second big cake yesterday, which yeah. was awesome. Yeah. German chocolate cake. But I already made this tres leches over Christmas. It was crazy good. And then I made like 15 pies. Oh, you need to take a look at my new smoker before you leave. Oh, yeah? I got a smoker for Christmas. Yes. It was so I big. I saw the picture. Those ribs were crazy. Maybe you could smoke a pie. It was so big. Kendra went to pick it up. She's going to surprise me. Yeah? And the guy was like, it's not going to fit in your Honda Pilot. <laughs> <laughs> Get the truck. So she called me, and I had to go up there. Oh yeah, I'll show, I'll show you a picture. But it took up the whole back of my truck. Oh geez, that's awesome. Yeah. So I did some ribs the other day, and they turned out really nice. Yeah, and I may have already talked about Caroline, and my daughter getting that wreck. Mm-hmm. Well, so a lot of repercussions for that. Obviously, Big Red was totaled. She, Caroline, and the horses were fine. Bad wreck, terrible wreck, but she's fine. And so Big Red was totaled, and the the big trailer the big horse trailer was all jacked so it's still being repaired but it's recoverable so it's fine it can be repaired yeah yeah they basically welded they whacked off the front of it and oh and they'll put a new welding a whole new goose oh yeah on it. perfect but oh that's great yeah and then the the pump for the jack was all whatever screwed up so that it's all you just throw money at stuff mm-hmm. you just throw money at stuff and then all of a sudden it's better good. than a whole new trailer that's right so a whole new truck and the trailer is going to be fixed and we're getting that back pretty soon and um, we got her a truck, and so that's good. Oh, was that her Christmas gift? New uh, truck? I guess. Yeah. Whatever. Just, What'd you get? It's a new truck. But I mean, what? Well, it's a 2015 three-quarter ton diesel Ram. 
Oh, another Ram? And it's got the Laramie package. It's sweet. It's oh, this, nice. It was a Navy dad that had it only to haul his camper around. He had a fifth wheel in the back, this yeah. fifth wheel. And you ought to see it. It's a 500-pound, literally five. It took me and the two boys, and it took all we had to, like, I unscrewed it all and put it out. It's basically what a fifth wheel hitch is what you hook, like, an 18-wheeler. Oh, it had one of those in the back. It was massive, oh. so it's sitting in my garage right now. I'm trying to hawk it off. Because so I, you took that out? Did you put the little ball? I, we just it? took it to install a gooseneck ball. Oh, okay, nice. Yeah, so now we're good. We're, we're back in business. So she's good. Um, and yeah, so yeah. So we're, uh, I don't, what is it? Okay. We do have a skunk that's hanging out around oh. the barn area again. Oh. Well, I, I, I saw him run and I finished my duck under the stalls. I, Right under where you go into Doc's stall. Oh. I was on a call out there the other night, and it was kind of at dusk, and I saw this little skunk. Oh. They live over in this barn. They're so cute. They live in this barn over here with these other people, and they come over here and eat. They're so cute. So I see this little skunk run, and then he goes underneath the concrete. Yeah, like that's Doc's what they do. That's what they do. And I think he's eating stuff from that wood pile. No, that's That what... wood pile is like a skunk haven. haven. Yeah, well, so I need to clean that up. They're so stinking cute. Now, I will tell you... Um, Mothballs generally work. They stink, but they generally work. I did order some fox urine. Oh, well, that works too. Yeah, I got a few jugs of that. I haven't got out there and sprayed it all around yet. Well, I told you that's what I spray on my boots as I walk into bow hunt. Yeah, yeah. But mothballs totally work on skunks. Yeah. We've used that before. And then I did finish my AR-15 bill. Oh. So if we need that, and I've got the giant 1,000-lumen nightlight and a laser. Okay. Just say it. You can sit... (laughs) Just sit out here and take them out, man. Well, your neighbors might be concerned, but regardless. They don't care. I'm pretty excited about that. (laughs) So there you go. Shoot a few hawks while you're at (laughs) That would be good shooting tags. I don't know about all that. All right, well, hey, thank you all for listening to our episode kind of around the oil boom. We talked about a lot of things other than the oil boom, but uh, hey, we're ready for the 20s, right? Absolutely. And uh, go oil boom. Go oil boom? (laughs) I don't know. know. Well, we can't say go Cowboys because they're done. No, they're done. But Texas, hey, go Texans. Texans, yeah. They won yesterday. They did great. They took the bills out yesterday. Yeah, they did. All right. right, Well, Well, adios. Thanks for listening. Look us up. Give us a review. Enjoy the 20s. (laughs) (laughs) See you later. Bye-bye.